Well, this is a podcast all about two queer trans ladies who want to entertain you. It takes about an hour, so sit right there. I'll tell you all about a queer, a strange and pleasant pair. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale. And I'm not Jane Eris Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that podcast where two queer trans ladies... We're just trying to make each other laugh, we have a bit of a goof, we do some voices, we talk about our weeks, we just have a bit of a catch-up and that, innit? We have a go at the hippity-hop. The hippity-hop and we don't stop until we stumble on our words and then we do stop. I can't do hippity-hop. Well, I'm sure you could if you tried. Yeah, not great at it. Anyway, how's your week been? Um, it's been good. Another, another one in our six weeks of... Hard party times. Yeah, this was going to be like the final one, but I think it's turned from six weeks of partying to seven, seven maybe. Yeah, yeah. The, the way that next weekend is shaping up, it might be seven weeks of partying. To be fair, it was supposed to be quite a mellow chill in the park weekend, but it, it turns the, out it might be much more intense. Yeah, lots of the people it was going to be very mellow with aren't coming, and like a different person is coming who's probably going to be less mellow. It's probably... The, the weekend structure has shifted. Lovely, but it's, it's, it's potentially be... far less mellow time. It's, it's gonna be a bit more intense, I think. So, yeah, we're just... This is the summer of partying. Like, when the, the weather cools down again, we're just we're just gonna sleep and hibernate until next summer where we shall party again. It was the summer of... Not 69, but also... Well... well. <laughs> it's been too hot for that, mostly. <laughs> I mean, it's happened, but it's generally been... A bit hot for that. Uh, so, where do we want to start this week? <sighs> what have you played? What have I played? Uh, I've played a bunch of stuff. We both played a bit of that Rick and Morty VR game. We did. On the, the PlayStation VR. Mm. Which is your sort of first experience of a move your hands around in a like square 3D space thing. Yeah. Ha- uh, th- th- this was like, you did a couple of VR things like that. Like You did the... Um, was this the same week that you also did the... This, um, is, um, this um, is last week. I had just about looked at some VR. I think I'd done the diving one with the shark. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the diving thing with the shark? Should we start with Rick and Morty? Let's start with Rick and Morty. Yeah. Talk about um, Rick and Morty. We did uh, virtual Rickality yeah. on PSVR. Um, it was very weird initially because it was it was set up where you were you you were quite short. Yeah, I suppose like an average height user or, or city down. Your legs person. were like down in the floor. Yeah, for it, you. it felt quite weird initially, but um, at max height, I was about right for for my actual height, and it, it felt a bit more normal. And then it just felt weird that I was walking around in this cartoon environment. Yeah, so we we had a couple of tech issues in the. I just reset up the the PSVR downstairs mm-hmm. and. It wasn't quite picking up your hands if you went too low, I yeah. think, or too far forward. But generally, how did you find being in a 3D space in VR? Um, it took me a little while to get used to things like uh, turning the camera. Yes, because this one does, like, you can use a button to sort of turn your in-game character yeah, so 45, 45 degrees or so. Yeah, and, and, and that was quite weird because it sort of realising, like, oh, I can't do this thing because the camera can't see me, so I need to sort of flick so that the yeah. arrow is pointing in a direction so that I can do this. So, what... And sometimes when it wasn't picking it up, if I got too low, it worked better if I sort of tilted it 90 degrees and then try and did it from a side yeah. rather than... 
one, one thing that, like, at some point I will set up the Vive in, in our <laughs> living room at some point. And the big difference is the PlayStation VR only has one camera on top of the telly. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Vive has, like, four in the different corners of the room, which means that you have a much better ability to for it to see what your hands are doing from multiple mm. angles. I really want to try those controllers as well. Yeah, they're weird. They're, they're good. I like them, but they're weird. Mm. But uh, yeah, it, other than the sort of little bit of tech issues you were having. It was interesting. I, I, I quite like the ability to sort of just like lean your head through like a portal or something like that. Yeah, the first time that, that a portal opened up and you stuck your head through and suddenly you were in space, you you had a bit of a moment. You were like, oh, oh. <laughs> the space one was particularly weird because there's, you know, like a lot more space. Yeah, like it just kind of goes in every direction. Yeah. It's stuff like the floating panels that you can grip and move and they sort of like float with anti-gravity. Yeah. It's a bit yeah. surreal. Yeah. And and again with the sort of going back to the the fish one for sort of weird sense of space. Um doing that dive and seeing like the jellyfish like above and below you. Yeah. And that sort of sense of like depth it's, that you don't get really yeah, in a, a two dimensional game. It's really easy to forget that you're in that like that you're sensing depth and how weird that is for games to have a true sense of depth perception. Yeah, because um, when we were doing the dive rather than doing um, virtual re- reality, because we moved the uh, table out of the middle of the room for that. Yeah. But I did the dive on my own while you were having a, a night nap before Dice Funk, and I I I nearly banged my knees on the. On the sort of table a couple of times, not because I was moving around that much, but like I got the sense of you can stand up and sort of vaguely stick your head slightly out of yeah. the container and sort of look at get sort of quite close up to random bits of scenery in there. And you know, you know what bit in what game really sold that idea for me of like it's really cool to inhabit this kind of three D space. Mm. It was the London heist, mm-hmm. and it was that scene where you're in the car. Yeah. And you've got a gun and you're trying to shoot people who are chasing you. Mm-hmm. Being like sat in a static chair, looking around and being like, oh yes, I can just look behind me, pop my head out the window, put my hand around, do a shoot over there. Mm-hmm. You, it's easy to forget how intuitive it can be to just look and point at things and shoot. Yeah. As opposed to trying to teach someone um, dual analogue controls mm-hmm. that hasn't grown up with them. Like yeah. My mum gets on really well with VR. Um, when I was still living back in my hometown, Mm -hmm. multiple times my mum asked me to come set up the VR. Like, she would bring her work friends over and be (laughs) like, this is really cool, you should try it. Because she just, she really doesn't get on well with dual analogue. But if she can turn her head around, look out the window and go, oh yes, I will point my hand over there and pull the trigger. Yeah, first person games I can't play, well, I can't play well at all with, um dual analogue and not that good with um, like if I've got to do it fast yes. like uh, even in third person mm. like for, for the sort of actiony scenes I can like, like if you want me to run and jump and stuff with, with dual analogue I can usually do that quite well yeah. But if you stick me in something like Fortnite where I need like precise yeah. aiming the... quite quickly without like the added motion twitching I find that really the... difficult The Best I've ever done at first-person shooting was in a Vive game called uh, Space Pirate Trainer. Ooh. And you're literally just stood on a platform, there are robots coming down at you, and you're, like, pointing your things and shooting them, and you've got shields to, like, defend yourself from bullets. Mm. It's so weirdly, so much easier to multitask. 
Yeah. You get a much better sense of, like, your peripheral, so you can, like, be doing thing like, moving your shield into a position you can't see, mm. knowing, okay, I know where that is, looking away with its kept there, and then shooting something in another direction. Yeah. Like, you don't realise until you do VR gaming that it's like, there are things gameplay-wise that you can't do with dual analog sticks mm. that you can with two VR controllers, which yeah. is kind of cool. With the, with the um, virtual reality one, the bit where you've got to charge the battery by doing the different... Oh. Basically bop it on a table. Yeah, it's a bunch of, like, here's... here's move a, this to this Move position. this up or down to flip this switch, Turn put this, this battery in this in this slot. Yeah. And it's do it quickly because there's a timer going. Yeah, and you can sort of look straight forward yeah. and, and, and sort of lean to one side or the other and, and just grab the, everything. The thing that got me about that is that I could pick something up and look away and like, okay, what else do I need to be managing? And like put the thing where it needed to go without looking because yeah. my sense of 3D space was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I, I saw that that was a bit up and to the left. Okay, I'll just put it there yeah. and generally get it right. It's weird that to suddenly like appreciate, oh, I just can I know how to reach that. The one thing I would say is quite weird with VR is that there is a, a certain lack of agency with it. Mm. Like the London Heist one, for example. Like you are yeah. provided things, but you can't do everything with them. E- like yes. there's the scene in the in the bar where you're sort of being prepped for your mission to go and, and steal the thing. And, like, it presents you with a cigar and a lighter and there's a person you chat to for a bit. And, like, you you can hold the lighter, you can set the lighter lighting. You can't do anything with it. You can light the cigar with it. Yes, you can light the cigar with it. But once it's lit, it stays lit even if you throw it across the room and it pings yeah. back at you. So, you can't set fire to the money, you can't set fire his, to the table, you can't set fire... I literally leaned forward and tried to set fire to the guy's nasal hair. The, the one that got me in the London heist is you're supposedly tied up to a chair in this warehouse and you can't move <laughs> yeah. and you're being interrogated. You can yeah, stand your hands. Up. You can still move your hands. You can stand still up hands as well. Up. You can stand up. Um, you can make your hands into fists. I multiple times stood up and just was punching him in the face and he was not reacting to I it. I kept trying to give him a hand job. <laughs> it's, the game doesn't... Al- the games don't always account for the fact that you have the ability to put your hands wherever you'd like. Mm. Yes, and there was also the last scene. Uh, spoilers for anyone who hasn't played that. The, the London Heist came out a while ago. Yeah, it, the, It's a very short experience. The last but... scene in that, you, you are, are given an option to shoot two people. I yeah. was like, I want to see what happens if I shoot the third person in the room. So I picked the gun up, and there is quite a weird moment where you turn that gun around, just like, oh, that's quite a weird experience. Yeah, I'm yeah. pointing a gun at my own head. Yeah, it can be weird, but um, yeah, how are you feeling about VR after you've now put a bit more? More, more VR. We need to do more VR. I need to finish playing through that game I started, which I should probably talk about. Pixel Ripped, oh. which uh, is a, it's probably the first VR game I ever played on like an old Dev Kit One Oculus. Mm. Um, it's changed a lot since I first played it. Um, mm. You can read some of my thoughts about it on an article about VR and being trans that I wrote for Kotaku UK before I worked there as a freelancer. It's a couple of years ago now. But... Is that the one where you were talking about porn? I might have talked a little bit about porn and in there. The rapiness thereof, because I remember. Oh that no, that was a, that was a separate thing. I wrote a separate thing about VR and VR porn feeling a bit rapey because you don't have um, agency. Yeah. And it can just feel like, oh, this is all happening to me, and I cannot do anything in response. That's mm. weird. 
Um, no, this was an article I wrote about about um, very early transition and the weird amount of uh, feeling like it was like, oh yes, okay, yeah, I, I fucking am trans, that came out of inhabiting female bodies in VR and being oh like, well, yep, that feels, that, 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 that seems right, huh? Yeah. Uh, that goes on, which is always a weird thing. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Pixel Ripped is a game where basically some some villain from a video game is like broken out in into the real world and the video game character is told like, hey, you gotta get help from some real world person, hmm. which it turns out like, ah, the person with the best score in the game is this nine-year-old girl in London who's meant to be in school right now, but like, the world needs saving. So you start off trying to like sneakily play video games under the desk in class, and you're like putting the Game Boy physically under the desk with your controller to like hide it away, and like trying to distract the teacher with spitballs. Yeah, with spitballs, so you can get the console back out and play. And then when you finish the level, the game starts like unfolding around you in three D space in the classroom. It's really weird, isn't it? Yeah, it was really cool watching you play that. Although there was a thing with that where, like, spectating it, I was struggling to see what was going on on the like um, peripheries of the, the vision, the, like the, on the Game Boy screen. Well, I could oh. see everything, like oh, yes, peripheries. It was too small for you. It because, was too small because obviously, for me, this little Game Boy screen was right up against my eyes. But for you, it's on the other side of the room on a TV. Yeah. So, uh, and also, there was the fact that, like, uh, I suppose, like, considering it would have been the equivalent to me sitting about what two, three feet from that screen. Yeah roughly size wise whereas like obviously you had it right on your eyes but then there was that like i i could spot peripheral things whereas yeah. you were much more focused on that one single point yeah it so was... for the teacher i was like hey the teacher's back you were yeah it was a very it was very interesting to do that as a multiplayer thing <laughs> like i'm definitely up for maybe thursday night this week playing some more of that if you're up for being my peripheral vision again after streaming, I'll be up for that. Yeah, you're doing very good at spotting like, oh, oh, kids being kidnapped over there. I get them and stuff. Um, oh. I was, I ended up holding the Game Boy very close to my face to try and make you it easier for, for you to bit. see. You and then I was like, and then you moved back. Yeah, but no, it's I'm very much enjoying that. It, it's I believe got four levels. I think I've made it through two of them. Oh. So yeah, we're about halfway through it already. But oh. yeah, it was a lot of fun. Very yeah, much enjoying. Fun. That weird, silly experience. Yeah, nice to see all those sort of Game boy style graphics sort of spreading out into the world in a weird 2D and 3D space. Yeah. It it was very interesting. It was also very weird when I got a kiss from a 2D character. That was very mm. strange. I was like, no, get away, you're in 3D. <laughs> One thing that I would really like to like see would be if you could take some of the old um, sort of 3D games and like pop them in VR. Like, yeah, maybe like 3D Quake or something like that would be quite interesting. I don't yeah. know if anyone's modded that. But the one that I would really like to try in 3D would be a game called Normality. I don't know if you've ever no. played it. It was essentially a point-and-click uh, game. And you are rather... It was one of the, f the first, as far as I know, that was done first-person 3D perspective. Ooh. And you play Kent Knutson, who's just been... Uh, <laughs> Just got out of prison for whistling to a, an overly cheerful tune. Oh. Um, because it's, he lives in an oppressive uh, state where, like, cheerfulness and thoughtfulness and not consuming is bad. <gasps> um, and it, it's quite silly and irrelevant. And I believe Corey Feldman plays Kent. Yeah. Um, 
I would love to see something like that because it's sort of this weird, slightly cartoony world. It obviously exists as 3D space, so you could, in theory, sort of rig it up to VR and look around to it, and yeah. then you know, it's it's like two button controls on you, the screen. I know people who've set up games that weren't designed for VR to work in VR. So basically one-to-one tracking so as you start moving your head to one side it basically moves the mouse pointer if it's supported mouse mm. turning and like turns it that way cool. it can be a little fiddly to get the speed to match up properly yeah but if you can get the the head movement speed to match up correctly you can definitely make it work yeah i think the only problem with that was i seem to remember the walking speed is quite quick so yes. it might be a bit pukey yes because the problem and you played a little bit of that game in the mech in that yes. collection of games the mech moots goes from zero to full speed way too quick, and it just sets off motion sickness stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was motion sickness or the fact that it's just been far too hot. Yeah. Uh, I'd be, I think I'd been in the VR for about it's, two hours at that point. It, it's the one game that both of us in the week, like last week, both of us had motion sickness with. Mm. I think it's you need to have some ramping up to your speed in three yeah. D movement analog games in VR because yeah. otherwise it. It causes sickness Especially if you're the one controlling it, because it, like with the yeah. London Heist, when you, you're moving in the van, that seemed absolutely fine. Yes. But like when you're moving yourself in that in that mech, it was a little bit much, especially when you start leaping around as well and doing stuff in like um, yeah. odd gravity. So you can yes. like jump from asteroid to asteroid I, and you're essentially climbing up the walls and things. I found myself leaping from spot to spot rather than walking. Because the leap was one consistent mm. movement path rather than yeah. weaving, and that was less weird. Yeah, yeah there, are, there are some games that do a better. Like, the one I'll try and find is Rigs, which is another one in a mech that, like, it was like an esports type thing in a mech, mm. but it made me far less motion sick than that other mech one. Yeah. But yeah. As, no, I've forgotten. That's alright. Well, we've got other VR stuff to check out. Oh yeah, out. as I was saying, like, I think I'd been in there too long, because, yeah. like, as I was saying, like, I, I'd been in there about two hours, I'd had the headset on, it was bloody hot anyway, and yeah. I had a full set of, like, huge set of headphones on too. Winter is the time for VR. I was pretty melty, but I did start to feel a bit, like, yeah, it, good I think it might, it might have been a bit of both. Bit of both. Little column A, little column yeah. B. The one that I want to set up for you at some point Ooh. is is Resident Evil 7. Yeah, definitely. Let's get you in some RE. I, I've seen somebody else playing Resi 7 uh, yeah. on VR, and there's that bit near the end where the character gets their hand cut off. Near the end of the demo, yeah. Is it? No, no. Well, near, I was watching the full game. Like, uh, the hand getting cut off is not near the end of the full game. That's very close to the beginning of the game. No, that it happens again at the end of the game. Does it? She comes at you with a chainsaw. Your girlfriend's. Yeah, I'm. The, the, I'm pretty sure that is right near the beginning of the game, and then they she they saw it. The family saw it back on. Yeah, yeah, and then you lose, I, I'm sure okay. you lose it again. I somewhere. did not remember it happening a second time. I might be wrong. I've played it, but not in like a while. But there's a bit with that. Um... <laughs> Bit with a hand getting chopped off. Yeah, um, and obviously because you don't have a full arm in VR, to then lose your hand in it, you basically end up with this weird meaty wedge. <laughs> Just like, oh, my left arm is now about uh, an inch slice, a, 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 an arm steak. <laughs> it's very strange to look at. Yes. Uh, the weird rules of consistency for VR. 
Hmm. Yeah, have you played anything else you'd like to talk about this week? Uh, yes, I played some more Pool Panic. How are you getting on with that? I'm a bit bored now. Yeah. I feel like I'm playing it just to try and get to the end and see what happens rather than it, really digging it. I think I said this when we were talking about it the other day, but it's feeling like you've reached the point that I reached with Sushi Strikers. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's still mechanically good, but I'm really just playing this because I want to finish it. Not yeah. because I'm, you know, desperate to play it every minute. No. Which is a shame, but like, how, how long did you get out of it before you started feeling eh? About six hours. Okay. Maybe a bit longer. Do you have a sense of how close you are to the to finishing it? Um, if you power through? I think I've got like 27 more black balls to pot to get the full 108 or whatever it was levels done. Um, okay. But I am now literally just wandering around this huge ass map going, how do I get there? I can see another thing to do, but there is no clear path to it. What do? What do? So, yeah, um, I'm sort of stuck trying to find levels now. Uh, yeah, there's that. What about you? Got any others? Ah, I've got some others. I'm just uh, checking the, the dates on embargoes for things, ah. because I'm pretty sure the embargoes up on this. I've had it for ages, but like, uh, I should probably, you know, double check. What's, what's the dates? Uh, so I finally uh, got around to playing the full version of Semblance, which is a game I talked about the demo for a while back. That platformer where you can sort of deform the level. Yes, yes, yes. Um, by sort of squidging around the platforms. Mm-hmm. Here's where I'm at with it, like, two, three hours in. Yes. They do a good job of giving you new things to do consistently. Mm-hmm. It never feels like it's making you do the same puzzle more than once. It's It's got a lot of fresh ideas. So that's very good. That was one of my big concerns, was will they find enough unique things to do with this mechanic to keep it fresh? I do have one problem, though. I've hit a progression wall, and I can't work out how to progress. This game, one have of the... Have you tried th- deforming the progression <laughs> wall? Uh, yes, yes, I have. So one of the things this game does is it has no text. All of your in-game tutorials and indicators of progression are done by, like, world design and non-verbal storytelling. Mm -hmm. And while that's generally like, okay, yeah, I can see the positives to this, and it generally does it pretty well, I've reached this big wall that stops me getting to the final batch of levels. And presumably, I'm guessing to unlock it, I have to complete a certain number, I think, of the levels before that progression wall, I think. Right. There are trees that when I complete levels will sometimes one of the branches will glow. Okay. But I don't consistently know how to make those branches light up. I don't know if it's I have to 100% do all of the levels inside that bit of the tree to make the branch light up. Hmm. And I don't know whether I have to get a certain number of completed trees, or just a certain number of completed lit-up branches overall. I can't work out from these non-verbal cues what the, like, what the mark... What what is the marker of progression that will allow me to unlock going further forward? Yeah. And until I can work that out, I'm hesitant to play more. Because the problem is, is I've done all the levels that I can reasonably work out within, like, every time I got stuck on a level, I gave it at least ten minutes and then went, no, okay, can't work this out. I'll go try the next puzzle. So I've done all the puzzles that I can reasonably do. 
And what I'd like to do now is just focus on, like, right, what are the puzzles that I need to do to progress? I don't want to go back and try and do every single puzzle from the start, hoping I hit the ones that will let me progress. Like, that's that's why I'm kind of hesitant on it right now. Well, it's out now, so hopefully people will guide you to it. Either that, or I might just email the developer and go, hey... What what do it's it's the fact that I can't work out how to progress is not great. No, but I enjoyed all of the puzzle stuff up to there. Oh well, so that's where I'm at. Oh. What else have you played? Um, so I played some Franbo. Ooh, yeah. tell me about Franbo. Franbo's brilliant. Um, I uh, supported it on Indiegogo. Uh, what two three years ago now? Um, yeah, it's such a good little game. Nice little point and click. Uh, with a slightly Alice in Wonderland slight vibe. Is this the one you streamed last week where I walked downstairs and it was like a therapy session talking about suicide or something? Yeah, it's pretty dark and I'd almost forgotten how fucking dark it was before I was like, yay, let's do a stream and try and have fun chats about this. Oh yeah, yeah, her parents are dead and and and... And she's like a young kid, right? I would imagine so. I mean, I can never judge children, especially animated ones. I would guess she's... <laughs> she's the youth. She's the youth. 10, 10 to 14, maybe, <laughs> if I had to guess. She could be younger. Okay. Um, but she's in a, in, a, in a mental hospital with lots of other children, and when she takes the pills, she sees the shades. Um, sort of dark shadows, sort of hunched over the, the other children. Um, sort of keeping them in place or tormenting them slightly and that sort of seems to represent their their d- depression or whatever their condition it happens to be yeah. um there's a really pervy security guard who seems oh. to be perving on fran um there's the the, ch- the way the children talk about some things it, it's quite dark and disturbing um the game gets really, really sweet later on. <laughs> okay. Um, there is a point where something happens, and and I think some uh, there's been a lot of game theories about that sort of uh, that that game and and sort of what is actually going on. Some people have theorised that Fran's at, Fran actually dies at some point, um, oh. or or something has happened because obviously things get a bit more fantastical even without the drugs. Okay. Uh, so she she will start meeting talking bugs later on in the game. At one point, she turns into a tree, <laughs> and goes to a magical faraway land, and meets a interesting axolotl, sky axolotl thing. Axolotls are adorable, so I'm on board I, with that. Uh, it's it's I, mean, I don't know if it's definitely an axolotl, but it, it's sort of that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, and she has a a friend who's sort of a skeleton in a hat and in a hat and a smart suit, uh, who keeps sort of mysteriously popping up, and and she. Will or will not find Mr. Midnight. Mysteries, mysteries. But it's 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 a really good game. It's not that expensive. Available on Steam and probably Humble Stort and stuff. And and it's really good. Uh, but a little bit dark, especially at the beginning, and kind of at the end too. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a beautiful yeah. fantasy fun story. What else you got? What else I got? Uh, I played I played a little bit more Fortnite. Uh, they updated that today. They've got a new mode where. You know, normally in Fortnite, the, the the circle like shrinks and then it waits for a minute and then it shrinks again. Mm. They got a mode where it doesn't do that. Instead, it's always shrinking and also constantly moving. 
which is like kind of fun because it stops people from just like making bases and being like, I'm just gonna hide here to the end. It's like, no, you've actually got to get out there and keep moving because the circle keeps moving. So that was a bit of fun. I played a bit of that today. Okay, so with that in mind, what is the point really of having the building mechanic if you can't well, really ever use it very much? You can still build, but you basically just have to do things like okay, I will get to, like, the front end of where the storm is moving, build my base, and then I've got time to work with. Okay. But, like... But then you will have to rebuild it shortly. Yeah, you, it's, you will have to, like, build and rebuild and rebuild rather than just, like... I have built a fortress. I have memorised where the, the the locations that the map can shrink to, and I've built... Uh, I'm guessing from the starting location of the circle that this is where it's going to land, so I'm going to build a base here. It stops some of that going on. Okay. So yeah, I, I quite enjoy that mode. I, I believe it's a limited time one, but mm-hmm. I had a bit of fun with that. What about you? You played anything else? Uh, I started playing Hex Forever. Oh, I've been playing that. Thank you, Ellie, who I went to Amicon with for getting me hooked on that. Thanks, Ellie. Uh, you're playing the iOS version. I'm playing the Android version. Your one seems much better. I'm playing it through the Facebook browser. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm playing it through Facebook Messenger and getting far fewer ads. Um, well, I've got a couple of problems with... Uh, I suppose Facebook comes with its own yeah. section. So, of should we quickly say what the game is? Uh, yeah. You got do, you a, wanna, do you want to do yeah, it? Yeah, you've got a hexagonal grid. You get given some shapes. You have to try and, like, make full lines that go along from one side of the hexagonal grid to another. The and then it'll clear... The hexagonal grid is made out of little hexagons. Yeah, you, you fill out... You, you clear lines, and you're basically trying to fit as many of these shapes in and keep clearing lines until, like, oh no... The spaces I have left will not accommodate any of these shapes made out of hexagons I have. I have lost, and here's my high score. And they're sort of hexagonal tetraminos. Uh, yeah. Most of them are, are, are four hexagons arranged in some order, yeah. except you still, still get the individual single pips occasionally. Yeah. They'll either be like a trapezium, a, a semicircle, a letter Y in some orientation, or a straight line, or maybe a diamond. I think that's basically okay. your... Basically. Your options? Yeah. Um, sort of standard Tetris styly shapes, Tetraminos. Um You seem to be having much more fun with it. Uh mine I've got ads that actually crash the game. Uh. So as soon as an ad plays, it will first of all, if it's got sound on the ad, it will take over my sound. So if I'm listening to a podcast or something while I'm walking along and the ad plays, it just like that that's it. I've got no control over that now. Yeah. And sometimes it will like close my app in the background, so I'll have to go back in and turn the sound back on, which is a pain in the bum. Um, I've also got uh, the fact that sometimes it just seems to just go endlessly giving me single unit hexagons. I've not had like that issue. It is very strange. over and over and over and over, and I I feel like they're trying to encourage me to either not play anymore or contribute some money so that it will be more worth their while for me having it. I would kill sometimes the endless streams of those single pit pieces. Yeah, I'm thinking I will probably uninstall it shortly because I'm not enjoying that version, but I might try the Messenger version. Yeah, basically there's a version in Facebook Messenger and the only reason I've been playing it there is because I'm not great at keeping in touch with friends all the time, but like, I'm not always... I've not always got the energy to do conversations, but it's really nice to just have as a little back and forth where like... I will get a Facebook notification every now and then that's like, ah, Ellie beat your daily score. I'll be like, nah, fine, I'm jumping back in. <laughs> it's just like, I've been enjoying it in the same sort of way I enjoy something like Threes, in that it's become my new, 
I kind of just want to mess around on my phone for a minute and yeah. not have to think about it too much and just like do a nice little not too intensive game. Well, that was rather what I was hoping it would be, but yeah, the, the between the ads and the uh, and the general nurse, yeah. I'm not super digging the, the Facebook Messenger version. The only ads I've had have been static image ads, uh, no video, no audio, and they close perfectly fine with a tap of the the X in the yeah, corner. It's um yeah, it's three quid on uh, Android at the moment. They're not advertising it to me well enough to want to pay for it, so. Uh, the Facebook Messenger version, also compared to yours, you were getting like, oh, you can buy this new visual theme with this many in-game currency or this much real-world money. Yeah, there's there's uh, some in there that are actually only available with real-world money. I'm not getting the real-world money ads at all. Um, I don't get the option to pay real-world money for them in the Facebook Messenger version. And the most expected theme is twenty three ninety nine. Yeah, I've not had any real-world money ads in the Facebook Messenger version, so I'm like, you know what? I'll, 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 I'm going to keep playing that for a bit. I'd be curious to know if those things still have to be paid for if you buy the full version. I do wonder. I would just... I would, Hope, suspect, not. I don't know. But if it's twenty three ninety nine and the game itself is two ninety nine, I I can't see them just going. No, that's fine. You you have that. I don't know. But yeah. So you've been you've been playing some of that then. Played some of that. You got anything else? I've got a few other things. Ooh. I played a bunch of stuff today. Uh, so I started playing Dead Cells, which is a game Ooh. that came out a while back, but it finally got a Switch port. Metroidvania. Yeah, it's a sort of um. Dark Soulsy roguelike Metroidvania-y thing. Uh, you start each playthrough with a sword and a bow or a sword and a shield. It's a side-scrolling game. You try and like fight monsters, don't die. If you can get to a certain point in each run, it's like, aha, you can spend your currency on things that will unlock for further playthroughs and build your character up so that they're stronger the next time round. Yeah. Like, some of the permanent upgrades I've currently got are things like um, start with a slightly better sword and keep some of my money upon death. I think I keep like 3,000 gold max after death. Uh, I start each of my playthroughs now with a, a potion that'll heal me up. So like, I'm getting some things that are making it easier to continue. Oh. And How are you finding the procedural generation on that? Uh, it's good. It's generally, the, the level structure is very similar. Like, the first level is get through a sort of dark dungeon, and the second level is, oh, we've got some spikes and some water pits and these enemies. They don't change up, like, what the tile sets are or what no. the area is or what the enemies are. No. They just sort of change up, here is the order that we've stuck these rooms together and where the exit is. So, like, each time you do have to do an explore properly, you oh. can't just sprint for where the exit to the next level will yeah. be. So... Yeah, the, the procedural generation's been good. Oh. I've I've had a lot of fun with it so far. It's it's a really fun little game, and I I suspect it it feels like it's scratching the itch that Binding of Isaac was scratching for a while. Mm. I might start playing it as my Binding of Isaac replacement. Okay. So yeah, I think I found a new thing to fill those those times where I just want to fight through some dungeons and oh. do slowly better. Uh, you planned anything else? No, I'll rattle through the rest of my list then. So I started playing a game called Flipping Death. Um, it is a side-scrolling sort of puzzle game in which you play a young girl who accidentally dies very early on in the game, and she's she's a little bit in denial that she's dead, she's in the underworld, and through a series of, of misunderstandings she ends up being 
Death's temporary replacement while Death goes on a holiday to the moon because it's the only place anywhere near Earth where nobody has died and as such there's not going to be any ghosts bothering him. Okay. Um, so Death goes off on a holiday to the moon and you're left in, in charge of his job because misunderstandings. And the basic mechanics are you can throw your scythe to places and then warp to it, which is your sort of traversal mechanic. And ghosts in the after afterlife will be like, ah, I have these problems that are stopping me from moving on to the afterlife. You have to try and fix those problems in the world of the living by possessing living humans and making them do your bidding. Ooh. So it's a lot of hopping back and forth, working what, working out what humans exist and what they might be able to do, mm. possessing them, trying to use them to accomplish things. Uh, examples of things previously, um, I took control of a man's ice, uh, a man with an ice cream cone and he thought his ice cream cone was possessed and pulling him around. So I was getting him to like do things with his sticky ice creamy hands in order to help solve problems. I took control of a dentist at one point who was just waving his drill around and I could sort of control where he pointed his dentist drill. Um, It's got a really good sense of humour. The voice acting is really good. Um, And it's got this gorgeous art style where it's all 2D sort of like paper flat objects, but they're layered in like three dimensions. So like a really good example was there was a car that I was driving at one point along this road, and my only controls were left and right in sort of two dimensions. Mm. But the road itself was a 3D road that was, like, getting into the foreground and background. So you were seeing this, like, paper vehicle, like, fold and change as it sort of went along this road. It looked really cool. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's got a very distinctive art style. Nice. The humour's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So far I've not got, terri- like, too stuck on the puzzles. And I'm enjoying this sort of switch between the worlds of dead and living mechanic. So, seems a lot of fun. I've put maybe an hour and a half into it, and I want to keep going. Uh, the map doesn't look huge, so I'm I'm expecting, at guess, maybe five, six hours to complete, I would guess. But, uh, mm. yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, and yeah, I think that's the ones I want to talk about this week. All right. So yeah, what a what a should we should move on to the next section of the show? Yes. So so right, well, come on in, come in, in come on sure, in. Sure. Uh, we we got a meeting. We got to do our meeting. So excellent. Um, sales for our high high caffeine energy drinks have been drip drop, dropping recently, and um, sure. here's here's my problem. I think the names aren't. Uh, Intention catching enough. We've got to no. we've got to really uh, capture the extreme market. So I put this meeting together today because we need to start putting together and brainstorming new intense flavors. Sure. Have you got any suggestions? Well, I was thinking maybe something like uh, nitro adrenaline. Ooh, I like where you're thinking. I'm 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 gonna suggest. Heart attack aluminium. Sure. Okay. We're we're going for like really really serious. So yeah, like yeah. um uh, um. I, uh, fork in a socket blueberry. Steak Inferno. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, it is really yeah. going to appeal to the, to, you know, the, the more masculine The, the 18 to 25 male demographic. Absolutely. We're really going to enjoy the idea of a very spicy steak energy drink. Yeah, yeah. How about, like, uh, Scotch Bonnet Stroke? Ooh, I like it. Um, how about, ooh, ooh, I think I've got the best one, the most intense one there is. Stubbed your toe on the table. 
stubbed your toe. Damn, that's pretty hard. It's pretty hardcore flavor. Mm, I like it. I like maybe it. maybe make it something sour that'll like physically hurt their mouths. Uh, what about uh, liquid palpitation? Oh, oh, I like it. How about explosive decompression? You're a fucking genius. Fantastic. Let's start getting these to market right the heck now. All right, Mr. Snugglebum. Oh, are you doing all right, Cuddlebutt? Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good, sir. You know, been, uh, been, uh, you know, uh, taking out some of the old, uh, some of the old wardrobe monsters, you know? Oh, goodness, you've been Got... on, uh, under the bed, under the bed monster duty again. Yeah, under the bed, in the wardrobe, you know, with the, the, the creature that lives in the mirror only comes out at night. Still, oh. gotta protect my kids, gotta protect them. Oh, exactly, you know, it's, it's a never-ending job, this one, isn't it? You just kind of, just kind of go, every night, every night, gotta be on the lookout, because those creatures could be everywhere. They could be, they could be a shadow sort of near that, uh, at rack over there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they could be, uh, they could be, uh, they could sound like a car going past. They're sneaky, these creatures. The, the, the ghost that lives in the toy box after dark. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, some of them got so many arms and claws, you know. Oh, of course, no. firstly, I find the worst bit is that you have to, like, You've got to clean it all up, all of the monster bits. Once you've defeated them, you've got to clean them all up because, you know, there's the a monster blood is an absolute pig to get out of carpet. Exactly. And you've also got the problem of having to get in and out of bed to, you know, cuddle with him, make sure they're all right. Yeah. Without them waking up, you see, because that's always a bit of a problem is like not waking them up because otherwise exactly. you don't want them, you know, you don't want them having a stress about this as they're trying to sleep. Well, exactly. And it, it probably scared them, you know, to see you just bashing the crap out of this monster with a with a, um, a mace that you happen to have secretly stuck behind a, a, a mirror yeah. in the house. You know, my arsenal, you know, you've got you've got to pull the coat rack and then, and then press the, the book in on the shelf. You know, if that all rolls back, you don't want a kid finding out, obviously, you know, so I have to make sure that sneak in and out of bed quite quickly, pop the monsters, clean up the mess, shove them out the window. Oh, oh, I've got to get going, I've got to get yep. going. I'm oh. pretty pretty sure that that monster under the rug's uh, snoking about. I'll show you in a bit. Yeah, good luck, good luck. So, <gasps> what have you looked at this week? What have I looked at this week? What have you looked at this week? Uh, I watched some more My Hero Academia this week. Started watching season two of that show. Um, I'm still very much enjoying it. It, While its first season was very much person who has no powers gets superpowers and he just wants to be a really good hero. Season two has had some like really interesting kind of dark like story threads that I found really interesting. Mm. So I'm going to give one... Season two's been out for a while. I'm going to give one example and like not ruin how this plot thread ends too much, but... Because in this particular world, a lot of people are born with superpowers, it touches on this story of very early on, before these things were regulated very well, mm-hmm. a lot of what was happening was arranged marriages around trying to get children who would have like the best combinations of powers. Ugh. And that is obviously presented as a very bad thing. Mm. Um, and there's this story of this kid who... Basically, his mother was forced into an arranged marriage, mm-hmm. and she, like, understandably really struggles to see her kid, because she looks at her kid and sees this man, like, she sees the child of this man she's been forced to marry. He looks quite a lot like his father, and it deals quite a lot with, like, this kid not wanting to use the power, like, some of the powers he'd inherited, because he's like, no, mum looks at me like I'm a monster because of the stuff I inherited from you, Dad, I don't want to do use it. Mm. And sort of, there's quite an interesting discussion about how, how 
to get over your how to get around feelings of I inherited X from a shitty parent. I don't want to be like that shitty parent. How do I avoid being like them? Mm. Like it was a really interesting little story that was going on about like not the main character, just some really interesting side character. Season two's been really good. I've been really enjoying that. I think season two's where I've been like, I get why people are in, uh, <laughs> very into this show. Uh, it had some very good fight scenes as well. Nice. What about you? What have you looked at this week? Uh, we watched the Bright and Bride March. <gasps> yes, we did. It was really good. It was really nice. And it led with some L with T. Always very, very nice. Yeah. The the opening was les- les- some cis lesbians and some trans people all just walking in solidarity together. Yeah. More of that, please. London Pride could learn a few things. Yeah. Well, the, the big thing we were pointing out is it made such a difference not having the barriers up. No barriers. You felt much more connected to it. Yeah. Where London Pride had, like, big barriers along the whole parade route to stop you getting near. Yeah. Brighton Pride was just like... You might get told to step back if there's a big van coming yeah. through and they're not sure that you're far enough back for the turning circle. Yeah. But generally, it's just like, you could just sort of go and have a bit of a dance near yeah. the near the floats. And and we did. Yeah, there was nothing to stop you, like, walking into the parade to give someone a high five and there walking was enough, There was certainly enough to high five people, like, on floats and stuff. Yeah, we had a bit of a wiggle. Yeah. It, it just felt a lot more connected. It did. By nature of, like... Oh, if you need to cross the road, you can do it. Just, like, wait for your second. And I also felt, like, by percentage, it felt less uh, corporate than London Pride had. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There was corporate stuff Oh, there was there, a lot but... of corporate stuff there, including some of the same people that we'd seen at, uh, at London. But, like, overall, it felt like there was more community stuff. Yeah. It was also really nice seeing how many people recognised sign language. Yeah. Because we were doing our little uh, thank yous to the emer- some of the it's emergency services people. It's the easiest way to shout people. and say thank you to the emergency services yeah. people. Like, the good ones. The, the yeah. police and the, like, and, and the, the ambulance the, crews. The ambulance and the fire people we were doing our thank yous to. Yeah. And we, we got lots of thank yous back. It was... Yes, and it's a good chance to practice your sign language. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that was... We had, a, we had a good old time. We did. Had a lovely time. And then we went to a house party. And then we managed to get... Possibly the last train back. Yeah, we we went back because thirty thousand people got trapped in Brighton. See, yeah, we we didn't go to the Britney Spears concert that was Why happening. Oh uh, yeah, it it sounds it sounds like from people I know that were there. Apparently, a lot of non LGBT people went along to that because it was an excuse to see Britney Spears on the sheep, and. It apparently did not... get close enough to see. Yeah, the the gay people that turned up could not get close enough to actually see Britney in a lot of cases. Not that straight people can't go to Pride as allies, but... Yeah, but, like, it it seems like the percentages of people make it seem like perhaps these were not people who went to Pride as allies and then went to Britney. It was like, cheap Britney tickets, woo! Yeah, so... But because we didn't go to Britney, we went home a little earlier, we had to feed the cat... And we had a nightmare time getting on a train. Yeah. Uh, I think our normally an hour journey took like two and a half hours. Yes. But we did it. We did. And apparently, like after the Britney show let out, people like it was just like no, here's here's like thirty thousand people. Your n- trains were leaving with no people on them, and then it was like, like that's the end of service today. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Um, and they had to put up, like, shelters for people overnight. It was a thing. Trains, a little bit fucked. A little bit. I'm glad we left when we did. Mm -mm -mm. 
else did you look at with your eyes? With my eyes, eh? Um, I finished reading Lumberjanes Volume 8. Wow, is it? It's awesome and still very wholesome and lovely. And more Lumberjanes, please. Yeah. I've, I've ordered nine, so... <laughs> is nine the one that's out this week? Um, I think so, yes. Awesome. Is it raining outside? It's raining! Oh, thank it's goodness. It's raining rain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hopefully that makes it less hot. <laughs> Amen. Oh, yeah. we're melting still. It's still very freaking hot. It's very but humid. Hopefully that will, will get rid of some of the humidity. Yeah. But yeah, Lover Jane's freaking awesome. Uh, also started Squirrel Girl Volume 3. About halfway through that is very, very good. Because it's Squirrel Girl. More Doreen Green, please. Um, I have been thinking about putting together a Doreen Green slash Squirrel Girl cosplay at some point. Ooh. Mm. Do the thing. Any excuse to wear a tail. <laughs> I've even got some little acorn earrings to go with it. Yeah. Mm. What about you? What what you looked at? Uh, we both mm. looked at Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. We did. We binge-watched most of the first season. All of the season, first season. We finished Oh it. yeah, we started season two, didn't yeah. we? We'd just broken into season two. We did. How, how are you feeling about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend the season in? Um, they're not very nice people, are they? Most of no, them. No, none of them are good people. None of them are good people. They're all... They're all bad in their own ways. Yeah, like, they're, they're, a lot of them are overly into drama, or just, like, um... Unwilling to just talk about their problems. Yeah. Um, but not not just like that, like, there are, there are people who are actively, like, quite bad to other people. Yeah, um, people who do bad things, but it's like, no, it's alright though, it's alright though. You have, you have assured me that there will be uppances to come. Yeah, so what I'll say about this show is it starts off very, like... Yeah, it's alright, the protagonist can do that, it's a bad thing to do, but she's in love, so it's fine. And like, as the show goes on, more and more more and more people catch on to what she's been doing and basically just turn around and go, "No, hey, that's really fucked up to do that. And yes. she has to go, mm-mm, mm-mm. I found it particularly uncomfortable, I think it was last night's episode where she started gaslighting someone. Oh, <laughs> was like, yes. Holy fuck, Oh no! yeah, no, she like fully... But like, there was even like a little bit of comeuppance already there. Like, she starts gaslighting, and the, the consequence is that everything gets very, very awkward because, like, the person she's gaslighting is like, I, I don't, know what, to I think don't know what to think now. And it basically means that, like, her dream scenario, because she gaslights, ends up being super awkward and not good. Because hmm. there is not a good consequence to gaslighting. No. Like, it doesn't portray it as she gaslit and now everything's fine. Hmm. But... Yeah, how are you finding the musical numbers in it? They're quite amusing. I'm enjoying those, and, and I, I wait to see what more happens. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, I, I hope it develops a bit, like, maturity-wise. It, it does as it goes on. Like, the characters... Particularly, like, I'm thinking a lot about the end of Season 3. The end of Season 3, the main character, Rebecca Bunch, is a very very, very different person to who she is right now where you're at in that show. There's a lot of growth to happen. Yes. But, uh, yeah, did you put anything else in your eyes? Um, I've watched lots of videos on YouTube of people fixing badly modded consoles that they bought on eBay. Oh. Don't know why. 
but just a thing you, you your brain was it, into. It, it passes time, and it's quite interesting watching people trying to scrub Suguru off of badly in, installed chips and badly soldered bits of technology in yeah. PC engines and Xboxes yeah. and whatever else. So yeah, that's that's the thing I watched for some reason. <laughs> what, what about you? What else you got? I think that's everything I've watched really. Ooh. So. Good evening, and welcome to the news at 9.19pm. I am your host, Newsy McNewserson, and I am here with my colleague, also doing the news. Hello. Uh, today's top story, the entirety of the UK is being relocated out of their offices. Why do you have the information for us? Absolutely. What seems to be happening at the moment is that the UK is suffering from ridiculous amounts of heat and humidity. It's absolutely ludicrous. Far too much. People can't cope with it. However, what is has been noted is that coffee shops tend to have air conditioning. And it tends to be ruddy good air conditioning. Absolutely. Also, coffee is generally better than you will find in, in most offices. Indeed. Also, some of them have chilled drinks in drinks containers, which also benefits on the heat. And because so many of the offices in the UK are just not built for heat, they are not built with the comfort of those inside the building in mind, we are uh, we have we have learnt that everyone is being relocated to coffee shops because they actually have air conditioning, unlike a lot of places of employment that do not care about the comfort of their workers. More news for you tomorrow. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> So much has changed this year, isn't it? Oh no, the world's really gone downhill this all because because of, of all them all them rich people really turned our worlds, you know, on the downturn, didn't they? Yeah, I knew. I mean, I knew capitalism would be our end, but I didn't think it'd end quite like that. Oh no, all of this hoarded wealth. I knew it was going to be a problem. All of this wealth accumulated in a few locations rather than spread out yeah. evenly across the world. I mean, I just assumed it was going to be like some kind of people's uprising. I never expected. Never expected that, no. No, exactly. The, the, I never thought that the downfall of our world would very directly be an interest in those uh, accumulated piles of wealth they had. No, but of course that's the problem with interdimensional dragons. Exactly. They're just drawn to the wealth. Exactly. As soon as they realise, oh no, all of this wealth is held by like 15 people, they just went and sat on it. Yeah. Yeah, now we've got dragons here. And that's, we've got a lot that's of dragons. Damn you, capitalism. Exactly. The weird thing about the dragons, though, is the fact that rather than sitting on the wealth, they have rather become sort of bankers. Yeah, they. I think it might just be that they saw that's how you collect all the wealth, is you just become a bit of a shitty person banker. Still, it was quite fun when they uh, incinerated Jeff Bezos. Oh, goodness, I certainly wasn't complaining that day. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Let's get back to living under interdimensional dragon rule, I suppose. Yeah. Damn capitalism. So, <gasps> what have you put in your ear hole places? My ear hole places? Yes. Uh, so I've been listening a bit to a track by an artist I would not have thought would be on my listening list, oh. Demi Lovato, who is one of these, like, Disney Channel singer types. Like the Miley's and the Justin. Yeah, one of those, like, Miley Justin sort of types that came out of the Disney Channel. Um, my awareness of Demi Lovato was my, one of my younger sisters 
was very into Demi Lovato for a while. Um, I remember, this must have been about four years ago, I would guess, I took her up to London at Ridiculous AM to try and get in line for a signing at HMV. Uh, we arrived at 5.30am and the line was already 450 people and was like capped and they weren't letting anyone else in. So we waited around for eight hours for my sister to get a glimpse of Demi Lovato getting out of a taxi swarmed by a bunch of people and going into, get it going very quickly into a side door of this HMV. And my sister described it as the best day of her life. Aww. This few seconds of Demi Lovato getting out of a taxi and into a car she saw. So... That was my experience of this particular artist, and they sort of came up, and I, I tried listening to them, because they ended up in hospital recently after what, uh, after an opiate overdose. Uh, it was believed to be a heroin overdose, and a lot of people have been pointing out that about two weeks prior, she'd put out a song called Sober, and I gave it a listen. It's a really good song. I had not given this artist, like, the credit she deserved for, like, actually making some good music. Mm. Um, the track itself is, like, very sort of quiet, somber, with a piano backing. And it's just this song about her apologising for not being able to stay sober and for having issues with addiction. Mm. Um, she primarily talks about alcohol in the song, but she talks a lot about, like, feeling like she's let her parents down, feeling like... She's got a really big platform as someone with that level of fame to be a role model, and that she feels like she's letting her fans down by not being a good role model at that level of success. Mm. She f talks about feeling bad about the fans that she's likely lost over this, over her the negative ways she's acted as a result of her addiction problems. Mm. And it's a, it's a really powerful song that like feels very emotionally charged, and takes on an additional level of weight when you realise sort of the actions that followed it. Um, I think I mentioned this to you. The, the thing it left me reminded of was um, the Linkin Park song. I believe it's One More One More Light, I believe it's called. Um, which was the song on Linkin Park's final album about, about suicide and about, you know, someone will care if you go. And if you're not around, someone will care. And the lead singer on that song later committed suicide. And it's another of those situations where it's like, yeah, this song, when you realise the actions that follow it, ends up having additional weight to it. Mm. So I think it's well worth listening to this track. It's You need to be in a headspace where you're like, I'm okay with listening to a thing that might make me a bit sad. Yeah. But it's just a very powerful song about addiction and sobriety, and it feels very real, particularly with the understanding of the context of a couple of weeks later. Mm. So, yeah, what have you listened to this week? Well, I rearranged my uh, tracks on my phone by date added. They are currently by track title. Uh, so I ended up listening to things I've not listened to for ages and <laughs> kind of forgot I even had on there. Um, so Goldfinger, Superman, came up over the weekends. Oh, yeah. When we were at that party, they were just like, has anyone got any music? I was like, oh, a couple of thousand tracks on here if you want. We had a very interesting music selection at that party. We really did, so yeah. Um, I had a good sing-along to that when Skater Boy came on. <laughs> yeah, we listened to Skate Our Boy. Uh, Goldfinger, Superman, nice, nice bit of scary jump-upness. 
Uh, letters to Cleo, I Want You to Want Me. Oh, yeah. I really like that version. It's a version that they play on the top of the school at the end of 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. Uh, I'm just going to go through these quickly. Uh, Fallout Boy, this ain't a scene. It's a goddamn arms race. It's a goddamn ass face. <laughs> I can't hear that song without hearing It Ain't a Scene, It's a Goddamn Ass Face. Um, it's another one of those ones that was sort of quite popular at the time I was getting divorced or like my marriage fell apart so it was like like yeah I was listening to that a lot and um Black Parade yeah so yeah like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's got that sort of like yeah I need something to bounce around to and get some energy out uh Ocean Colour Scene Profit in Peace Ooh. you know that one I don't know that one there ain't no profit in peace so we gotta fight some more it's about uh, capitalism and yeah. war. It sounds like a thing I would probably agree with the morals of that song, I it's, suspect. It's it's quite a good sort of almost anthemy track. It's one you yeah. could march to, certainly. Ooh, I think I need to listen to this. It sounds like it'd be, a, be up my alley. And Fool's Garden Lemon Tree, uh, which is a track I heard while I was, uh, like, my first week living in Greece when I was 16. Ooh. I don't know if I ever told you about this. Maternal parent shoved me over to yes, Greece for yes. I'm aware three and a half months I'm just va- to get rid of me. Yeah, I'm vaguely aware of this. Um, to go and work in her friend's husband's taverna. They they were divorced. Yeah. Uh, well, they were, they were separated at this point. Because the locals didn't like her walking around with no shoes on. Uh, they, they kept coming to him and calling her a slut. And, and, and he was facing disgrace of the village as a oh, result of it. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, it's fine for tourists to do it, but not for a local person's wife to be doing it, <gasps> apparently. Um, and it's a, a very weird track. Um, uh, yeah, I don't really know what it's supposed to be about. I wonder how, I wonder why yesterday you were talking about the blue, blue sky, but all I can see is just another, a, just a yellow lemon tree. I'm oh. sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's someone uh, seeing things. Uh, maybe it's it, it was just one that was co- like pretty much played every other night in the in this bar that I was drinking too many cocktails in, and mm. uh, yeah, I just sort of remember it from that time. It was a weird sort of sixteen-year-old adventure. Mm. So tell us all the other things you listen to. Uh, much more detail. I l- I listen to a couple of things. Uh, these are these are new tracks that I listen to today. New Once tracks. again, Spotify recommending me new music. Uh, I quite enjoyed a track called Light and Dark by a band called Fader Friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a sort of melodic rock track, um, singing a lot about impatience and wanting to make up for past mistakes and sort of wanting to get to the point that things are okay again after Mm -hmm. mistakes have been made. Really, really nice little track. Enjoyed it quite a lot. Um, I enjoyed one called I Don't Trust You Anymore by Mm -hmm. a band called Left at London. Uh, it's sort of about uh, learning to change your values as time goes on and as you learn new things about people and learn that the world's a bit shit, just being like, well, the more I learn, the more that I'm just going to kind of change my perception of the world. I will learn things. Get from... woke. Yeah, I will I will learn and grow from the facts that approach me. Yeah. Um, it's sort of just acoustic guitar and light clapping percussion. Oh. Uh, it's got a really nice sound to it. And I think the last one that I picked up today was called Nothing Weird by Thin Lips, sort of just a very raw female punk sound. It feels very, like, garage punk. Um, about letting go of someone because you feel like you're holding them back. Ooh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that that is the things what I listen to today. Ah. Is, is that the end of that bit? <gasps> That's the end of that bit, I guess. 
Um, hello, hello, welcome to my bakery. Um, um, how can I help you today? Well, howdy there. I was wondering if I could get myself a wedding cake for my upcoming wedding. Oh, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about your wedding? Well, sure. You know, we're thinking maybe like uh, a lot a lot of purple and white. So, you know, if we could get some of that on the cake. Mm-hmm. Uh, where uh, all the place settings are going to be, uh, there going to be quite a lot of, of, of delicate lace on, on the tablecloth. So I think maybe if we could sort of get some, some nice little lacing effects on, on the icing, maybe I think that'd be, that'd be something too. Oh, and, and uh, what sort of cake toppers do you want? Oh, well, just something uh, representing uh, myself and, and my husband. Wait, wait, are you a straight couple? Oh yeah, yeah, we're a straight couple. Oh, I'm 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 really sorry. I I um I I think you'd be better going to a different bakery. But 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 what but why? Well, you see, making wedding cakes for straight couples is against my moral beliefs. Um so if you look at the facts, um most straight couples that get married will have a kid and will statistically likely get divorced and I don't think it's morally right to 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 do that. You're you're having a divorce. That's you know leaving a kid with with you know that's that's pain for a kid. I think that it's morally wrong. And as this is statistically most straight weddings, I um morally object to doing a cake for your straight wedding. Well, I think that's perfectly reasonable. I will find somewhere else. Can you recommend someone in the area? Oh yes, I know a lovely straight baker just like four doors down the road. Oh, thanks very much. Have a lovely day. Hello, um, hello, Mr. Uh, Mr. Musk. It's uh, nice to nice to meet you. Uh, thank you, thank you for this meeting. Please call me Elon. <laughs> um, so yes, you uh, called this uh, business meeting. What did you um, have in have in mind for our uh, company? Well, as you may have read on Twitter recently, I'm a massive fan of the game Bioshock. I've decided I want to start an objectivist utopia on Mars! That's what my SpaceX program is all about! Okay, where did you get this idea? Well, it was a little bit of Bioshock, and I recently started reading Atlas Shrugged! Uh, of course you are. That Ayn Rand, she's a hottie! So... This is your plan for making things better for the world with your enormous wealth, is it? Is you're going to build a, a objectivist utopia? Absolutely! I will take the best and brightest! They will come and live in Castle Galt on Mars! That I have built! Are you sure it wouldn't be better to... Maybe use that money for something on Earth? Make Earth a bit better? No, I don't want the pobs having it! I worked very hard for it. It is mine, therefore. What are you, some kind of communist? As someone who runs a company that actually like pays their 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 um, employees enough of a wage that they don't have to pee in water bottles during their shift, yeah, I'm not super on board with with with, with this uh, plan. But. Have fun with your Mars colony. Thank I, you, I will. Considering that uh, Mars has not yet been terraformed and it's all going to be very experimental, it's probably the best place for you. It's only a matter of time. Anyway, if you're not going to do anything useful for me, would you kindly get me a Coke? Would, would, would you kindly get me a Coke? Oh, you can get your own Coke. But, but I said the thing. You... How about this? I'll Continue get... the training! I'll get you a Coke when you pay your employees enough they don't have to pee in bottles. Would, would you kind, kind me? 
That's it, I'm pressing the button on the underside of my desk. Questions of questions for questions. Questions? Questions. Time for questions. Questions? This is the time of the question, question, ness, question, ness, question, questions. Questions. Uh, too old to play games. Um, I'd like to know a bit about my experience with animating. Oh, yeah. I, I did a bit of animating. Um, when I was little, I had a program. I don't know what it was called. But it was free on a cover disc, and I think it was supposed to be an art program, but it featured like some animation stuff, and I, I feel like it was probably a DOS program. <laughs> um, and I, I had this book that I'd, my, I think my mum had probably just sort of pilfered from her ex-drug dealer boyfriend, who used to run a market store called The Atom. I've still got it downstairs. Mm. Might have shown it to you. Yeah, I believe it's so. It's about this tiny little circle that oh, flies through all these yes, different things yes. and it sees the dinosaurs and it sees the sort of rise of humanity and yeah. stuff and then it um gets put inside an atom bomb and, and blown up that's not I, I mean that seems more like the adventure of an electron than yeah, a, a but whole like... atom but uh yeah we'll, we'll give it that I mean, it's, it's quite an interesting little sort of picture book and so i sat uh, it was one thing it, it was obviously quite easy to draw and therefore reasonably easy to animate so I used to do this thing where I would sort of start with this this sort of blue version of the atom and then it would sort of maybe blow up and then it would become like a galaxy and then you would sort of zoom in a bit and then it would do something else and then there might be some fireworks and then there'd be like maybe a little person walk cycle or it might grow arms and, and throw a ball across. Just sort of fun little and, and constantly coming back to, hey, it's the atom again. Maybe there's two of them. <laughs> Maybe they multiply. And that, that was sort of my first fun time. And I just spent hours just freestyle animating things going, okay, what happens now? Just like with no pre-planned thing, just what happens now? Have I ever told you about the time I did some animation? You did some animating? Yeah, when I was like um, 10, maybe 11. Uh, mm -hmm. This was in between year six and year seven, sort of between primary school and going up to secondary school. Yes. Um, this was back when I was, like, still considered, like, top percentage smart kid before, like, my brain started going all weird. Um, and I was basically put forward for a gifted and talented student summer school that was happening at the Arts University. Ooh. So, basically, about, like, three kids from each school from, like, the local area got sent to the university for, like, two weeks. And it was basically, here's a couple of different, like, artistic disciplines it might be animating it might be acting it might be yeah. some kind of like modeling thing mm. and basically it's just you'll do like one like a couple of hours of each to get a feel for them you put down what you're interested in they'll assign you to one of them and then you spend two weeks on a project yeah so i spent two weeks of my summer holidays with two other people making an animated film that was all done hand drawing and mm. light boxes oh cool um but then we had to sort of like live record audio over mm -hmm. it and like put it all together. Oh, okay. It was a little like probably like three to four minute animated short film about some superheroes. Okay. And like it's not good in the slightest, <laughs> but like there's a bit of me that's that's proud of it. So I, I've got a VHS of it somewhere downstairs. Cool. I will get it set up in such a way that it can be shown, and I will I will show you. 
And depending <laughs> on depending on if I can successfully like edit yeah. around any dead naming that might exist in it, I can't remember if there's any dead naming in it. I might stick it up online and be like, "Fuck it, this is a thing I made when I was 11." Kill. So yeah. Nice. Well, the other thing I've animated was um, a couple of years ago. I got hold of a couple a copy of Anime Studio, uh, which I think is by um, Smith Micro, who do. Smith Micro things. Um, and it was called uh, Fairy Tales from Terwebs. Three <laughs> uh, Gs. And it is a sort of modern retelling of the Three Billy Goats Gruff. Uh-huh. Uh, they are trying to cross a troll bridge, and the troll is an internet troll. <laughs> oh, you've it was, told me about it this. It was a stick yeah. figure with, you know, that, that, that the troll face of, <laughs> of troll face fame. Um, uh-huh. And they, they have a conversation. Like, one of the goats offers the troll a carrot stick to try and get across the thing, and the other one's like, no, don't feed the trolls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's rule 14 of the internet um, And then Like to, Because every time the troll speaks It pops up little like speech bubbles And mm. it's full of misspellings And like uh, Too many exclamation marks And the odd one <laughs> And things And and eventually obviously there's there's a grammatic mistake In this grammar Nazi flies down And they have a fight ah. uh, it's, it's not very good <laughs> It and amuses me sp- to hear about it. Um, and it's a bit over-animated because I didn't do, like, lip movement for anyone. And I was always told that, like, with animation, you shouldn't have, like, anything really moving apart from the people that are speaking. Yeah. So, obviously, like, the goats to speak, they just sort of nod slightly. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the troll will sort of, like, again, nod slightly and, and move arms. But there's a bit where the grammar Nazi is telling the troll off. And he's sort of pointing at him. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, the troll's like trying to slap his hands out of the way <laughs> and just do it like give, doing the wanker sign. <laughs> and it's like completely unnecessary. It, there's even a bit like at the end where basically the, the troll gets punched in the nuts and, and falls down by the side of the river and then is sort of slowly trying to climb away while clutching its testicles. <laughs> um... And and there's I, I realised that like because of the way it sort of pans out to the end, it just sort of pans into a cloud, um, that you can't actually see it. <laughs> there's just the whole animation of the of this troll climbing up this grass verge that you can't really see much of. Oh. It's like I knew it was there; it had to be there. Um, I loved it. It was quite a nice experience, um, especially when you're working with um, skeletons. Uh, skeleton movement yeah, for, yeah. for animation rather than sort of individual frame by frame drawing. Yeah. Um, it, it does sort of limit some of the, the tweening that you have to do because that can be sort of automatically done. Yeah. I've done a little bit of that in a program, I think it was called Spine, which was oh, yeah, a yeah. sort of um, skeletal animation program. I quite like that way of animating. It's all right. Yeah. It's it, like I say, there's a lot less sort of tweening to do. Yeah. Um, Although you can get sort of automatic things as long as as long as that actually works, yeah. But um, I think my main problem with the animation was I recorded all the dialogue first because I wanted to obviously try and make sure all the movements were on 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 point. Yeah, and it was I think it was about three and a half weeks for about a minute and a half uh, of this thing, yeah. maybe a little bit longer. But just endlessly listening to the same couple of seconds over and over and over again while you're trying to animate everything on screen yeah. and make it happen. 
And then when you accidentally turn one of the spines like a full 360 rather than sort of back the way it should have gone. Yeah. And then you watch the tween back and all of a sudden there's like limbs just doing little helicopter moves. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> um, next question. Uh, Jason Lee. Uh, suggestions for a good branching narrative games on PS4. Uh, they've enjoyed Life is Strange, Telltale's The Walking Dead and Tales from the Borderlands. Thinking about Detroit Become Human. Okay, I would say Detroit Become Human, there is the obvious caveat to give of up until now when I've talked about that game, I've not really talked about David Cage as a person. Yeah. Uh, he was undergoing a court case which at the time had not reached a conclusion and I mm-hmm. sort of wanted to wait and see how that played out. Yes. Basically, he, he has gotten in trouble, as have Quantic Dream as a studio, over homophobic and racist images that were sent around in work emails Ew. and that were not really responded to well. Don't know how much of that is specifically David Cage was actually involved with yeah. or if it's just company culture, but that is a criticism of the company to be made before I say anything else. Mm. But there are not a great deal of games like that, and I will still say that I played that game and I enjoyed it very much. I thought it was a very interesting branching narrative game. I, I'm i definitely on the, the higher end of enjoyment on that. Like, I am one of the people with who enjoyed it more than the general critical consensus, but... That is, that's obviously your judgement uh, call to make, is whether you, whether you stick with that, mm. but I found that a very interesting game. I personally enjoyed it a lot. Uh, you got any suggestions? Um, well, they've already played Telltale's The Walking Dead, and I'd say pretty much those are all all of the ones I would have gone for, and, not, and obviously yeah. not just the first one. The season two was quite good as well, but again, very heavy going, if, if that's a thing for you. Um, say we quite cage games like Fahrenheit was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, again, d- I think all of David Cage's, other than Fahrenheit slash Indigo Prophecy, I think his other three games are on PS4. Like, I think you can get Heavy Rain, um, Beyond Two Souls, and Detroit Become Human. Press X to Jason. Press a- a- X to Jason, indeed. Uh, so there's a couple of other Telltale games that I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Tales from the Borderlands is really funny. Yep. It has a great sense of humour, great art style. It works very well even if you have no idea about like Borderlands stuff. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think what other ones are good to recommend. Um, I've heard The Wolf Among Us is good, but oh, I've not played it. It's a very good um, murder mystery where everyone is characters from fairy tales. Oh. It's a lot of fun. I started it and then I was just like, meh. I'm not... I think it's because i just done... Season one of Walking Dead and four hundred days, or whatever it's called. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. So I think I was a bit telltale, stylied out at that point. Uh, Becky Toothel would like to know. Oh, sorry. Oh. One more recommendation. I've just realised. I was looking for like lists because I was like, what have I forgotten? Um, Until Dawn. Until Dawn is fantastic. I still not play that. It, it we'll, we'll we'll load it up. We'll play it together sometime. Uh, it is basically a teenagers go to a cabin and monster like horror film stuff starts happening adventure game with choices and it's like how how are you going to survive being in a horror film as a bunch of like stereotypical teenagers it reminds me a lot of uh, what was the movie cabin in the woods it's got a very cabin in the woods vibe to it in that it's a little tongue in cheek with its <laughs> stereotypes okay but a lot of 
it's a lot of fun if you like horror movie tropes. Mm. So yeah, sorry, yeah, continue with your questions. Uh, Becky Toothill would know, like to know, why would you be a good babysitter? The child is in the terrible twos, we would be paying cookies and hugs, and we have the opportunity to interact with a soppy orange dog. Hmm, why would you be a good babysitter? I've got experience. I babysat for a sort of uh, one and a half to two and a half year old. Um, shortly before I came out, I, a person moved into the flat below mine when I was still living in Mitcham, and uh, they were suffering with really bad postnatal depression. I think they popped up because they needed something one day, and had seen that there were sort of two uh, youthful people in the uh, in the building that were living directly upstairs. So they came to speak to us, and uh, we sort of. I had a chat. They became friends with my housemate. And then sort of I slowly fell in as well. And then um, basically found out that they were suffering with all this postnatal depression. And I be- I was or had become recently unemployed. Mm. So I would sort of go and do my, my job centre searchy bits. And then I would spend some time helping out with the baba. Uh, so, you know, I've got experience changing nappies and feeding and bathing and trying to put down to sleep. I say trying because, you know, yeah. um, I, I can work out sort of cal- calpol doses and all, all yeah. of that good stuff. Uh, I know how to remove an entire mountain of nappies from a bedroom that a parent has been too depressed to move. I can clean up glass if you've been having self-harming the night before and you need someone to clean that up for you before your child steps on it or whatever. Uh, I can clean a house around a sleeping child pretty well. Um, I have have no such in-depth explanation. I've had younger siblings, I've looked after younger siblings, I have an endless capacity to just be like fine with lots and lots of children's programming on the telly, I'd be fine. Oh yeah, I I can watch the same episode of of, uh, In the Night Garden like 600 times. Not a problem. Um, Yeah, my only problem is of course the soppy orange dog, because I don't really interact well with dogs. Ne- neither, um. neither do. Mm. When I'm sober, I don't interact well with dogs, <laughs> and that's a problem because it probably want to be sober. Best to be sober. Best to be sober if you're looking after a small child. Yes. Yeah, I think you do very well at looking after after small people. I have looked after small people, yeah. but I, I just get a bit sad these days because of that whole situation. Yeah. Kira Anderson would like to know what is the least favorite film you've watched to completion. Ooh. Um, I watched uh, The Darjeeling Limited to completion and I uh, just felt like falling asleep. It was just not enjoyable. Not not the Wes Anderson film for me. No. It was very dry for something that was billed as a comedy. Mm. What about you? Uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Oh, that's a good that's a good call. <laughs> that's a good call. Uh, I was forced to sit and watch that um, on an occasion while I was living in a flat. It was basically a case of it was raining outside. I didn't have anywhere else to go, and my flatmates were watching it. So I there was literally nowhere else to go. Uh, so I, I had to watch that particular piece of crap. Uh, 
Kel Goodall would like to know, did you read any books as a child that resonated with you but you didn't know why until you figured out your gender identification? Ooh, do you have an answer for this? No. I had mm. a really good think, but I could not think of anything that was particularly like mm. that. I might have to come back to you on this. I can, um, yeah, I'll come back on this. See if I, if I can think of anything. I'll I'll let you know. Yeah. I mean, I particularly enjoyed Miffy books, but I'm not sure being a bunny rabbit really counts. I very much enjoyed Miffy books. Yeah, well. <laughs> big fan of Miffy. Miffy high five. Miffy five. Five, five. Uh, Lucy Nevins, uh, what is the strangest sentence you've ever said out loud? Uh, here are just eight men and David Calippo. That was mine. I know. I was just like, that's, that's a very strange sentence that was said. <laughs> uh, what what strange sentences have we said? State has awarded you orange. The state has awarded you orange. This is your state mandated Calippo. <laughs> Have you got any other weird sentences you've said? Oh, yeah, because um, we, we know someone that sort of tags us with amusing quotes that we've said. Yeah. So I looked back through my Facebook to see if I could find any. Oh, yeah, I might do the same now. Have you got some? Um, I'm, I'm going to so, be a minute finding mine. So um, they are, have a breast form that has a, a, a slash in it at some point. At some point it has been damaged. And uh, I said, that can be your Nick Fury boob. Your tit fury. Uh, you need danger music for a butt touch. I suppose. <laughs> I was just. I think. I think I was just constantly wandering up to them, going. Butt touch. And the last one I've got is. Um, there's always a dick in the wang knobs. There's always a dick in the wang knobs. Yes. You never know, and you might find a dick in the wang knobs. Too many dicks, too many dicks. Uh, so yeah, looking at that same person's like things <laughs> that I have said, apparently at some point, and I don't remember the context to this, I said, I rolled 18 to flab. I have a feeling that was probably a polyamory quote. Probably polyamory. I, I rolled 18 to flab. Uh, I'll see if I can find any others. <gasps> okay, so I I have um t- two two others. Apparently I said, you're getting cucked by my TV. And I also at some point said, you've got really nice legs, so much fluff, it's like stroking a cat. So these are things I've said at times in my life. There you go. Yeah, there, there's some things I've said in my life. Mm. What's the next question? That is all the I've asked today. <gasps> that is all the people have asked. They have had enough of asking, that is all of the asking. So, you know what happens next. <gasps> do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Social Justice Warriors! Hello, Larry. Hello, Barry. How are you, uh, how are you doing today? I'm not too bad. Feeling much better about the intro this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. You ruined, really nailed it this week. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, happy to see Canada. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was, uh, you, you had an all right week then, have you? 
Yeah, not not too bad. Uh, I went to that uh, Brighton Pride to uh, support Ooh, a couple yeah. of a uh, couple of uh, gay and trans friends who were going. Some of them Ooh. feeling a bit, uh, you know, nervous as it was their first one, and, and not terribly supported by their family. Yeah. So it was, it was nice to go. And, oh, and, and I went it. along as well. It's a shame oh. we didn't bump, bump, bump into each other. Brighton, but big place, big place, lots lots of people. Yeah, and yeah. I actually can't want to talk about a thing that's to do with that amount of people. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So there was a lot of issues getting to and from there. Because of the number of people on the trains, and I was I was going to suggest maybe we talk a little bit about the trains because uh, yeah, well they've yeah. been quite up the swanny recently, especially around here. Yeah, a lot of focus on uh, profit over functionality, and uh, yeah, it's not been great recently. And I was uh, we were we were talking about this the other day, weren't we? What was that suggestion you had? I, I forget. What was it you were suggesting? We well, nationalising, obviously. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was an age when I remember when the the National Rail was was in fact National Rail, and you know, uh, British Rail was 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 British owned, and and, and so forth. So that you know, it's it's you know only a relatively recent thing for me to see all these different coloured trains for uh, different brands going in and out of different stations. But uh, the thing that struck me most, you know, not not just the fact that there were thirty thousand people stranded in Brighton. Uh, trains leaving with nobody on it, and yeah, and, yeah. and and all these people just stuck in a really bad situation. But the fact that for maybe the last five or so years that I've been I've been using the train services around here, there have been times when you know a, a twenty minute train journey has maybe taken three and a half hours because everything's been cancelled. It's yeah, at a yeah. time of night where there perhaps aren't any buses at all because we're we're not in a big metropolitan area. Yeah. You know, I've I've got friends at work who will either have to run to try and get a train because every train thereafter has been cancelled, or the fact that you know they 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 might as well do an extra couple of hours overtime, uh, much against their will and much against the chance to see their family, their kids, you know, whatever else, uh, and they're they're suffering because of that. It just goes on and on and on, and then just the fact that the train service is being run so badly. You know, what right have have any of these people got to be making profit? When they're not even running the bloody service. Well, this is it. Is it's one of the uh, most convenient and, like, in theory, consistent, reliable ways to get around the country. In the in theory, it's a way that, like, you know exactly when and where it's going to be. You know exactly when it be there and stuff. And like, the problem is, is since it's you know been privately owned, prices have increased and service has gotten worse because, like, we've not got government accountability. It's private companies that are like. Oh, I might just not run that train because uh, we're not going to lose that much money. It's fine, whatever. You know, it would help to have some level of like, you know, oversight and accountability. Indeed. Yeah, there was a, a thing in the Telegraph recently. I was seeing that uh, they were looking at the sort of average cost uh, for rail fares uh, about 100 to 150 miles. Now, somewhere like Poland, you're looking at like sort of nine pound. Italy, Belgium, about sixteen. France, a little bit more expensive. But for 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 Britain, it is considerably more than that. We're talking about nearly ninety seven quid. Oh my god! For the same same thing that you could do all across Europe. Yeah. And you know what the 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 difference is between Britain and those other countries? It's because we use a private company. Because we're privatised everywhere else, nationalised, doing much much cheaper train fares yeah. for the same amount. Basically, we've got completely fleeced. Well, you look at like. You see, regularly, you'll see stories pop up online of like, 
oh, it was cheaper for me to fly to Spain and then back to whatever yeah. other... Like, rather than go from, like, you know, Manchester to London, I'll go from Manchester to Spain to London, and that'll still somehow be cheaper, even though I had to fly in the air. Yeah, there was there was that uh, student, wasn't there, that actually ended yeah. up managing, managing to get there... A faster and be cheaper. Yeah, and managed to get. And that was from... even with like a couple of hours layover in the sun, having a nice drink. Yeah, having a, having a lovely time. But uh, yeah, I mean that that that's just the the state of our, our trains at the moment. And I, I think you know whatever else you might think of the Labour Party at the moment, the fact that they've been talking largely about nationalising rail is quite a thing. Yeah, it'd be we a definitely thing. need to sort that. Shit I would out. definitely like to see us return to that uh, the, that era. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you know, you, you get all these ridiculous nationalism things. Like, let's not talk about you know keeping uh, foreign people out of a country. Let's talk about owning our own infrastructure. Oh goodness, yeah. Before anything else, like if you you really want to, you know. Yeah. argue for the all these things about oh well you know it's what's better for the country what's better for the country you know what having a, a like a diverse groups all across the country does does huge benefits yeah for everyone involved let's, let's have diverse people own the trains and fund the nhs that's what i'm really like you can yeah, sort um, that sort that out we're, we're good it'll be gone yeah well, that was a good old chat it like, was yeah we're you know, good we haven't done what we'll have we'll have that hug that oh that hug oh. yeah I'm glad we're keeping up with this. this is yeah, it's a good hug. It is a good hug. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I feel much better for this. Yeah, same, same. Well, oh, you, it's a bit you, hot in the UK, though, so maybe we won't keep it much longer than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's been, been lovely seeing you again, Larry. Uh, we, uh, we will bump into each other again and have more interesting chats. Indeed. Soon. Bump into you at the same time next week, probably. Probably about the same time. I can't remember. Did we at one point canonise it that we lived together, I thought? We, we, I, I don't we know. did, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I'll see you throughout the week, but for, you know... <laughs> have a good old chat this time next week. Yeah, we, that's generally when we have the sort of the chat. <laughs> So, so, where can we find her on the internet? Well, you can find me, Laura Cabers, pretty much everywhere on the internet. Laura Cabers on Twitter, Laura Cabers on YouTube, Laura Cabers on Twitch. Um, uh, you can find me Monday to Friday night at kotaku.co.uk. You can find me on Dice Funk. I'm on seasons three and four. Each season's a self-contained story. It's a D&D fifth edition podcast. Go listen to season three in particular. That one is like a finished story I'm very proud of. I turn up, I think it's episode nine, I get teased in. Episode ten, I show up properly as a cast member in. Um, I've been re-listening to that recently. I quite enjoy it. Um, have I done anything else? Can't remember. I've got a book coming out probably end of this year. Possibly two. Possibly a second book coming out summer of next year. I'm, ta- I'm talking to people. I might... I, the silly, the serious book is coming out the end of this year, probably the memoir. Middle of next year, maybe, maybe something a bit sillier. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun to write something that doesn't make me cry every time I sit down to write it. Yeah. What about you? Where are you on the internet? I can be found at StoneMonkeyRadio.blog. I'm Maniac Janiac on Twitter and YouTube. I stream or try to stream every Thursday-ish on Twitch.tv/Janiac. Uh, where else am I? I think that's it. I have soundcloud.com, Janiaris Magnet. That me. Yeah, that's what I do. So, with that, until next time, be a stranger. Yay. I'm sleepy and hot. Silly rain. 
cool it down already.